I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at www.ai-digital.com and in episode 54 we have some questions about SMS marketing, email, putting live chat on your webpage and how to get early episodes of this podcast series. A little bit of gossip about Google and Twitter an update on the book I'm writing, and an interview with Miles Galliford of Subhub. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting <laughs> episode of Internet Marketing. I have with me my, my laughing co-hosts. Uh, we have Mr. Kelvin Newman. Bonjour, as they say in France. Who maybe has been to France recently, I'm not quite <laughs> sure why I said that. Uh, we have Daniel Rouse. Hello, Andy. And we have Helen Trendle. Good morning. Queen of the acronyms. God, I've become Jonathan Ross. <laughs> okay, this morning, we've got some questions this morning, haven't we, team? And we've got some gossip from, um, about Google and Twitter from Daniel, and then an interview that yours truly did. But first of all, the questions. Uh, I think that um, Kelvin is doing the honours with the questions, aren't you? Yeah, Kelvin? yeah. I mean, over the last month or two, we've had quite a lot of questions into the site, and, uh, you know, via the various people contacting us, either via IMPC, you know, using the hashtag IMPC, or dropping us an email. So that's been quite good. And a lot of the people on the, who sent those questions in have said how much they enjoy the, the shows where rather than talking about one particular theme, we just respond to people's questions. So, yeah, I've got a bunch of questions, um, none of them that you know I've sh- shared drastically with the people before. So it's going to be their gut feeling on what they think are the best answers to these questions. So I've got about, I think, five questions. Um, well, six questions from five different people who okay. have all got in contact. So, yeah, if, if it's okay, I'll, I'll dive in with those ones and see what, what you guys have to have to say about all of them, if that's all right. Mr. Newman, proceed with the first question, Brilliant, please. brilliant. Well, the first question from, was from a chap called Pete Robinson. Um, he had a couple of questions, but um, he said how, how he was um, a relatively new listener and he enjoyed the podcast and, you know, it's bit, well, we're going to sound like a blood man trumpet now here, but he said some very nice things about the podcast anyway. Um, and the first Why question... Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's nice when people send in those kind of responses. You know, you, you, you know, no people are appreciating your work, which is nice. But yeah, and the first question he had was, um, he said, I know you're called um, the Internet Marketing Podcast, but I'm really keen to hear about either text, SMS or email marketing as a topic. He says he uses Campaign Monitor as a tool uh, and really rates it. But is there any kind of SMS tools or um, email marketing tools that, that we've had experience of that we enjoy using that we'd recommend out there to the, um, the listeners? Well, do you know, I've had no experience at all, but I can tell that Daniel has. <laughs> it's quite an interesting one because um, uh, a lot of people might know I do, I do a lot of training for the Chartered Institute of Marketing and I do teach yep. their email marketing course. Um, and it's quite a common question. There's a lot of platforms out there for sending out email campaigns and SMS campaigns and just uh, knowing the difference between them and what's, the, what's a good one to use. So one that I've had a lot of experience with um, and has always worked fairly well for me is Pure360. So if you go to the word Pure number360.com you'll see that they have a really good email marketing tool there um, a lot of the tools are very similar that they they split it into three sections you input a list you build an email campaign and then you set a delivery time the good thing about pure though is it all, also does sms campaigns within the same interface so if you're looking for something that makes it a lot easier it's one i'd recommend um, what i will say though is sms campaigns are very very hard 
to get right because of the fact that it feels very interactive marketing if you're not very careful. So it's a lot better to do it in a way where somebody's requesting something specific and um, you respond to that request rather than sending people constant updates by SMS because it can be quite intrusive and there's a lot of negative feedback for that kind of thing. Um, another company might be interested in if you want to start sending out um, SMS campaigns and MS campaigns and that kind of thing is a company called Mobify. So M-O-B-I-F-I. Um, and they supply services where you can have a number that you can send messages into and that can be transferred into a website and that kind of thing. Um, and I've just set up a website really uh, recently called Art Buzz, which allows people to send in MMS messages live of an art event they're at and they'll be sent live into this kind of um, this website. So if you want to have a look at that, have a look at artbuzz.it. So artbuzz.it just to see how that works as well. You know, I'd completely forgotten that uh, Pure360... Uh, did um, SMM messaging as well. I just thought of them as an email marketing company. Completely forgotten about that. Anyone else had any experience with uh, SMS marketing? Um, I used to run quite a few um, email and SMS campaigns in a previous life, um, working in the sort of um, employee benefits. Um, we used to do sort of big campaigns there so people could sign up um, to... Um, access all the sort of discounts on sort of shopping and travel and things like that and then we'd send newsletters out um, and then they could also um, sign up to sort of big um, competitions and things like that using their mobile phones as well so we kind of integrated the two um, and that was using um, a tool called sign up to which is a bit tricky on the um, domain but it's sign hyphen up dot two is that the number two, Helen, or the, the word two? The word two. So .to instead of .com or .co.uk. Um, and the good thing about um, sign up to, I mean, they, they do work with some sort of quite um, large brands like The Economist and Siemens and people like that. Um, but the great thing about them is you can start off really small. So if you're a small business, you can actually get 50 contacts on the database free of charge and it won't cost you anything. So you can dip your toe in the water, um, run a few campaigns on a very small basis, um, and then you only start paying once you go above um, having 50 contacts on the database. So it's quite a good way to start off if you're, if you're you know, a small business. Okay. Cool, yeah, and the only thing I've really got to add is just think about your execution on all of it. So it's mm. with, with these ones, because it, the tools are so integral to how you go about doing it, so you kind of go, okay, well, we want to do some email marketing, we need to find an email marketing tool, or we want to do some SMS marketing, we need to think about the tool to do that. I'd say, remember, you really need to still remember um, the what you're doing, the creative, the idea behind that still needs to be really compelling. Like Daniel was saying, text messaging particularly, it can be really you know, disruptive to people if they're getting that text message and see it as not. I mean, a great example is I once entered a competition for the Argus, the local newspaper down here in Brighton, and now whenever they've got a special feature in their newspaper, i.e. every other day, they're sending me a text message saying, buy the paper today, buy the paper today. And it's actually had a negative impact for something that started out quite positive. I was entering a competition, mm. but now they're kind of spamming me, and it, it, it just has the opposite effect. So yeah, make sure you don't overwhelm people and try and make it you know, intelligent and different to what they might expect. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, email marketing as well, one of the main things that we're doing the training courses for the CIM is that the first main point is that email can be massively affected. The return on investment can be phenomenal, but it can also be utterly useless. And it really does mean you have to follow best practice. You have to really do things carefully. Think about your reason for engaging with people. Don't bombard them. Customize what you're sending to them. Um, and just make sure you're getting through that kind of spam mentality we've all developed where we're just expecting spam on a constant basis. Okay, then. Should we proceed on to the next question, Kelvin? Yeah, the next one from Pete um, is kind of a bit bit about this podcast. He was asking, you know, he really enjoys the podcast. Um, I really wondered if we ever would do it more frequently. I don't know if that's something we've ever, ever really talked about um, in terms of frequency of podcasts. I know Andy's a bit of an expert on podcasts. What's your attitude on the, the you know, the ideal frequency of, um, of a podcast, Andy? Do you, do you know something, team? I, I would love to do this podcast more frequently. Well, maybe that's well, a good 
good point we could do here is that if anyone you know likes the idea of us going doing this more frequently than once a month if they could let us know this month that'd be great because that's you know from our perspective what we don't want to do is um inundate you know as we were saying inundate people that this podcast becomes too frequent then that they don't listen to them all or you know it, it becomes a bit too much to keep up with i'm, I'm interested to know what people's opinion is on that really well, maybe it's they interesting could, they could, they could, sorry dan i was just gonna say maybe there could be more frequent but shorter yeah yeah that's another possibility isn't it really hmm. Because yeah, we do. When I get talking, there's no stopping me. That's my problem, isn't it, Andy? <laughs> well, I, I do always keep my, my, you know, my finger on the fade out switch when you're talking, um, Kelvin. You know, um, but uh, no, I think you have you have good information. Did I hear someone else piping up then to to say something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually asked this question through Twitter um, maybe a year back, oh, and okay. yeah. generally the response was uh, the more often the better, as long as we can keep the quality of the content up. Yeah. Um, so I think on a practical terms, I think we could probably go to doing it a couple of times a month, but, uh, people let us know through email, through Twitter, um, and hashtag it up, IMPC, and, uh, let us know what you think, how often we should be doing it. Yeah, we're going to crowdsource this one, I think. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, the, the next question then was from a chap called, um, Mark Ashworth, um, and his question, I'll read it all out because it's probably the best way to explain it there. Um, he says, hi, I'm a subscriber to the internet marketing podcast and I have a quick question. Um, whilst I appreciate you must get loads of questions and um, he, he would, um, asked if we could answer this on the podcast um, he has about 500 email addresses that are active clients and about 1500 that have contacted him in the past for information about their services and um, he, he would li- now like to contact um, he, he's wondering we've touched on this a little bit about what the best tool is but um, are there any UK based companies that offer alternative solutions to a US company who he's heard of called iContact um, so I think maybe what he's looking for is rather than just the, the tool like we were talking with Pure360 about who, how you go about finding an email marketing supplier, I suppose, is the question here, really. Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's some, there's some great tools out there. We talked about Pure360. Um, there's Vertical Response, which is a great one. And MailChimp is something I've been playing around with quite a lot lately, which is fantastic as well, um, which goes in line with SurveyMonkey. So there's a bit of a monkey thing going yeah. on. But, but they're both great tools. I think in terms of, um, if you're looking for a company to uh, to do a lot of this for you, or maybe manage the whole process as well, uh, a company I've had recent experience with that has been really good is something called Alchemy Works. Okay. Um, and Works spelt with an X on the end for some reason. So, but Alchemy Works, uh, they'll go through, they'll recommend, um, you know, whether or not what service you should use, what provider you should use, the content, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I know that uh, site visibility and AI Digital obviously do email marketing services for a lot of their clients as well. So most digital marketing agencies will supply that service. They'll have a tool of preference probably that they'll, they're used to working with, they're happy to work with. Um, but I think the other thing that comes out of that is that if he's got these email addresses, what he needs to be aware of are has he got people to opt in and some of the, the legal kind of requirements around that as well. Yeah, so what's... So what's the basics then on that, Daniel? I know that you guys have got the experience on that, and that's probably for guys who've never done any email marketing before. What's you know what do they need to know about their list of emails that they've got before they can start sending um, um, emails out to people? Okay, well it depends where you are in the world. Obviously, um, yeah. in the US, there's the can spam um, legal kind of requirements that basically say what you need to do in terms of. Um, one-click opt-out being really important. So if you are going to email people, making it really easy to opt-out is important. Now, that's particularly important because you don't want people in your list that don't really want to receive your email, but because it's so complicated to unsubscribe, they end up just putting you in their spam filter. Because it's easier just to put that. Yeah, and I think it's a lot easier to do that a lot of the time. So one-click unsubscribe, really important, um, applies to a lot of the laws as well. From an EU, so from a kind of European point of view, one of the important things that splits is whether you're working business to consumer or if you're working business to business. Okay. So what, what the law basically says is if you're business to business, you need to have an existing relationship. Now, an existing relationship is very easily fudged, to be honest. And you could say, well, this person gave me their business card at a conference five years ago. We've got an existing relationship. Best practice would say somebody needs to have opted in and said, I would like to receive email updates from you. On a business to consumer, so if you're, you know, you're selling directly to consumers, you need to have an opt-in. And this is generally best practice across the board anyway. People need to have said to you, yes, please send me newsletters. Now, just because somebody has bought something from you doesn't mean they've opted in for a newsletter. 
So what would you recommend then? Sorry, Daniel, I there. What would you recommend then if you've got that list of um, people who have bought from you in the past but haven't opted in, you didn't know that you needed to get them to opt in, but you've kind of got this list, do you then send them an email saying, um, would you like to opt in? Or or do you just have to then start from scratch with a new list there? Well, I'd say, I mean, if it's vague, I mean, a lot of the time people have lists, they're not sure if they're opting or not. Uh, They're saying, well, I think they opted in, but I'm not sure what happened at the time, that kind of thing. Um, What I generally say is that you can do one of two things, well, one of three things. You could be super strict and say, right, I can't contact them because at the end of the day, I'm not sure if they opted in. What people tend to do is say, I'll send them a one-time email saying, we have your details on record. Would you be interested in receiving X, Y, and Z? And generally people incentivize that as well by putting them into a prize draw or saying they'll give them free access to an ebook or something like that. So that that's um, fairly acceptable. Where that sits legally is slightly vague and I'd be quite interested to hear people's opinions on that. Um, the other way of doing it, which I've actually found is the most effective way of doing it, is if you've got people's contact details and their email details and you've checked that they're not on telephone preference service or something similar, meaning that you're not allowed to phone them, a quick phone call to people saying, hi, I've got your details for this reason. I wondered if it was okay to put you on my email list. And getting an opt-in actually by speaking to somebody, your phone works really well because people generally will say yes when you speak to them, actually personalize it in that way. And they'll say, fine, yeah, opt me into your list. So try and do it in a personal way. Try and, you know, if you tell people where you've got their email address from in the first place, is it the fact that you just collected their details at a conference or is it the fact that you did do some business with them in the past? Tell them why that is and then ask them to opt in. It sounds to me like... um this, this this person has got quite a big list of emails that he wants to uh, put on a list. And in my experience, I mean, I, I use I use GetResponse, and I'll tell you a little story about GetResponse in a minute. Um, I know a lot of people that use a Weber. I mean, these are general; these are just general sort of online email list managers. Um, but in my experience, if you start off and you've got like some sort of historic list of emails, and you want to put them on a list, you you have to. That the only way you can get them on that list is to have each of them sent automatically um, an invite to join the list, which is my experience of it. Yeah, and I think it's that, it's that one-time invite kind of thing. And the, the more personal you can make that to explain where you've got the data from, and, yeah. um, the better. But I, you just need to be very careful because essentially if you're emailing someone and you, you've just, you, you, know, you don't know where you pick the email up, you'll be, you'll be breaking best practice rules in the first place. Yeah. You have to be a bit careful as always well some email list managers. I mean with with GetResponse I had a bit of an unpleasant experience a few weeks ago where I used it to uh, I formed a, a new list with it. So basically people, you know, I, I wanted to get a list of of people into it. So each of those people automatically got an invite email inviting them to join the list. Uh but when they did and were asked to click the sort of confirm link they were taken back to a web page that had down one side of it had loads of really horrible, spammy, junky adverts. Mm. And a couple of them got really offended by that. And that was because the default setting on, on GetResponse was to have these, uh, this sort of block of adverts in when they confirm on the confirm screen. And it was ticked by default and you have to manually untick them. So just watch out for things like that because it can upset people. Yeah, it's a lot of these companies that offer free hosting or cheap hosting or free services. They'll make money by putting advertising on the page. Yeah. So you just have to be careful of the type of advertising that ends up on the page as well. Um, it's interesting how a lot of people on a similar note, people that were using Google Ads within their pages, they're using AdSense system um, to monetize their websites. And they're actually moving away from Google because they have similar kind of complaints where people feel that a lot of the ads that are coming up were fairly spammy. Um, so it is something to be really careful of the quality of your ads and what reflection that has on your website or people's impression of pages they're landing on. Yeah, sure. Any further views on this or shall we move on to the next question? Um, well, I just got something um, with regards to email marketing. It's just um, with uh, the sort of question around, you know, choosing a supplier I just thought of a a quick sort of checklist of things just to go through um, and and to make sure that the supplier is helping you with Um, I I tried to make it into an acronym but I I haven't (laughs) haven't been able to do it in that short space of time Um, but it's kind of um, four sort of steps so the first thing is um, what's the purpose of the email Um, um, which I think can sometimes be overlooked um, in terms of you know is it about stock clearance is it going to be a newsletter is it are you going to be sending special offers 
Is it going to be to announce new products? Is it when you've got, you know, sort of new thought leadership pieces, if it's sort of white papers and reports and things like that? So obviously that comes down to the type of business that you've got. And I think if you've got a clear idea of exactly what the purpose of the email is, then that really helps to answer a lot of other questions such as frequency um, and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, just sorry, Callan, to interrupt on that, but I think there's, that's a really good point because so many people send out a newsletter once a month. That's just what they've decided to do. So they run around two days before the email has to go out thinking, oh, what content can we get into this? And you end up with an email newsletter that's just done monthly because people feel it should be done monthly. They send it out, they put in some content that's about the company, it's not about the potential customer, and it just is not effective. And that's why email rates you know, drop down so low. So I think you're right, really stepping back and thinking, why are you doing this campaign in the first place? It's really important what value it's going to provide. Definitely. I think a key, a key point here is value. What value can it add? Yeah. So uh, once you've got that, then it's just a, a case of um, looking at the, the, who's going to write it and who's going to design it. And a lot of the times those can be two completely different skill sets of people. Um, with the writing, you, know, you need to be thinking about things like subject line, personalization, calls to action, if it's got send to a friend feature, if it's got landing pages that link to the offer that you might have so that when people go back to the website, um, they can actually, there's some um, relation to what they've read in the email. And I suppose the other side is when you're designing it is thinking about um, making sure that it works in all the different email clients, which from our experience can tend to be the thing that takes a lot of time. And I think it's important for um, sort of, people being on the receiving end of working with um, an agency or working with an email provider um, that you know that is definitely a, a very large proportion of where they're going to be spending their time is going to be making sure that it, it looks the same whether people are reading it in Gmail um, or Outlook or Hotmail and the final point is just really tying it back to your website so if you're you know going about um, creating um, regular emails add a sign-up form onto your website as well so people can, can sign up there as well. So people come to your website, um, for some reason they don't you know, want to buy from you straight away, you can keep in contact with them and they can sign up. Again, if you're giving them something of value, such as you know, um, an opportunity to receive special offers, that's a clear benefit and reason for them to part with their email address. And then you start to build a relationship, so they're going to trust you much more then as well, isn't it? It's that whole permission marketing stuff. Once you kind of can start to build that relationship, it's understanding that a lot of people are going to visit your website aren't going to purchase on that first, first occasion. So it's how can you start to build a relationship, and email is brilliant for that. There is actually an acronym there, Helen. You have got an acronym. Have you worked one out? Yeah, it's a it's, it's really obvious one. It's... Um... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to remember that one, aren't you? That's, that's going to come straight to the chase. <laughs> Purpose, frequency, value, website. There you go. <laughs> As he moves away from the mic. Anyway, um, <laughs> have we fully covered uh, that topic or should we move on to the... Uh, I notice we're, we're a good 20 minutes into the podcast and we've got another 20-minute episode um, interview to go. So we, should we move on to the next question Yeah, quickly? let's dive into the next one. This is from a chap called Chris Boyce. And, um, his question was, um, his wife runs a counselling business specialising in working with those who are affected by bereavement, especially... Death of a child, terminal illness, um, rape or sexual abuse. And that's um, at carpdmcounseling.org.uk. Um, and in addition to home visits and telephone counselling, she most often communicates with clients using Microsoft Messenger. Um, it provides a, a good degree of uh, anonymity. I can't say that. Yeah. And detachment that can be um, helpful when talking about kind of traumatic um, events. And they're in the process of updating and renewing the website. And, and they're looking for a mechanism whereby prospective clients can ask her questions over a kind of an in, instant message um, style functionality um, that would work with the web page. It's a kind of live chat and that kind of thing there. Um, and, you know, something that then has the ability to switch to non-real-time email or something in the future. Is that, you know, that kind of live chat functionality? Is that any... Um, thing that you guys have had experience of and tips for how to best implement that particularly for a kind of counselling style application so let me just get ahead right is it, is it, this, is, this is a live chat on the website is it yeah they've yeah. always done it via MSN but they're relaunching the website and I think his mm. hope is that they could add a kind of live chat functionality that worked well but also kind of had the ability to feed in maybe to email or maybe even a CRM I suppose um, later yeah. down the line as well 
There is a system called WLM Status, um, and the website, if I'm not much mistaken, let me just check, yeah, it's WLMStatus.net, and that allows you just to pull through your uh, live messenger status onto your website, so you can you can just see what people are up to and if they're online and that kind of thing or not. Um, there is another website that's got lots of stuff on how you can integrate Messenger um, called iMessenger, but it's spelled I-M-E-S-S-E-N-G-R. Com. So there's no E between the G and the R. So iMessenger.com. But we'll put this into the show notes. Um, that's got lots of different tools that you can use to integrate Messenger into your website. Um, and there's lots of libraries that you can use to actually, uh, there's something called Messenger Plus Live plugin that allows you to kind of control Messenger from your website and vice versa as well. So um, I have used it before in the past. And the one thing I'll say is that Unless you're online a lot of the time, it can actually be a little bit negative. You need to be careful because if you constantly your status on showing on your website is that you're not online, it kind of feels like the website's not live. It's not kind of happening. Um, And we had it before where we set up a live messenger system for a a car dealership and the car dealership was offering servicing. And the idea was that you could go on and you could ask when the next available service was and ask some questions online for free. The problem was it wasn't always manned there wasn't always someone there actually answering these calls. And there were lots of messages when we look back in the history saying, hello, hello, anybody there? So it had a really negative effect on the audience. So can work really well. Lots of ways to integrate it. Have a look at a couple of those websites, but just be cautious because unless you're live a lot of the time, it's not necessarily going to have a good impression. There are. I mean, what about the idea of, of just being able to leave a message from the website? And there, there is, and I've completely forgotten the name, but it begins with a V. That doesn't really narrow it down too much, does it? One twenty-seven for that. Yes. Um, I'll see if I can dig it out and put it in the show notes. But basically, you're able to sort of embed a, a sort of recorder into your website. And providing they had a microphone plugged in, uh, they could just leave a message. And you, obviously, then you could just pick it up as and when. I think it might have even emailed the messages to you. I can't quite remember now. But there's, there's, um, doesn't spin... Spinvox, Spinvox. Yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of their general idea, isn't it, on Spinvox, that they'll record um, yeah. your voicemail. So if you could put a voicemail there, that that's maybe it. I, I don't know if that, yeah, that kind of works in the same way, that if I, someone's leaving yeah. your voicemails, it turns into an email. So that could be quite handy from that perspective. Yeah, I get the impression that spin, spin, Spinvox, is spin, but that's Spinvox, isn't it? Spinvox mm. um, is more of a sort of a back-end service, yeah. so that you point phone calls to Spinvox. I think they give you a number. And then what Spinvox will do is they'll attempt to uh, turn that into text and send it yeah. to you as an email. I mean, um, yeah, the, the thing I've seen work a lot, I mean, the problem with a lot of these things, they rely on you having a microphone or webcam or something yeah. like that installed on your computer. The reason Messenger is great is the fact that everyone's got the equipment to do it if you're just typing in on the computer. Yes. Um, there are lots of plugins. I mean, a good example, if you have a look at um, a website, hostmysite.com, which is a great hosting company, and they essentially... Uh, do a lot of customer support for a kind of similar interface and that gets used an awful lot so but they have um, technicians on hand 24 hours a day to answer these kind of messages yeah. so yeah, there, there, there is a resource associated with this unfortunately <laughs> Yeah, I suppose for Chris and his wife there, that probably might be quite difficult. The one thing I'd add as well is that I've been on a couple of sites recently where they've got this live chat functionality and they're trying to drive you to it and it just acts as a pop-up. So it pops up and says, hey, have a live chat before you've even had a chance to look around the website, which that kind of is kind of counterproductive then as well because that kind of says, oh, well, you know, leave me a second here to suss out whether I want to talk to you or not before you start diving in and trying to sell me something here. So I know that what their their aim is to try and kind of get a conversation started, but sometimes that can be kind of counterproductive. You've got to bear in mind that a lot of people who are viewing your website are browsing. They're not buying or, you know, wanting to get in contact straight away. I think that the best thing of this is to set expectation. So have something like WLM status on your site saying when you're in live, but put a statement next to it saying, we will be online, ready to answer your questions between these hours, in this time zone, on these times of day. And then it doesn't have such a negative yeah. impact. Okay. Okay, should we move on to the next question then? Yeah, yes, the, the next one's a nice, nice, simple one, mainly for Andy, but we get this question at least two or three times every month. So I wanted to make sure that we said this in the podcast rather than just via Twitter and that kind of thing. It's from Brian Greenham, and his question is, how do I access your earlier podcast? So... I think yes. on iTunes and on our website, it only goes back to, is it 31? Um, yes, is okay, the, um, right. 
Well, first of all, um, as soon as we get the, and I believe it's in, it's 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 being scheduled to be done. If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kelvin, we're, de- we're going to yep. get a dedicated WordPress site yep. up at yep. the domain internetmarketingpodcast.com. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. Yep. And I believe, do we have any idea when that is going to be ready? Uh, if I say this now, I'm going to have to do it by that time. I, 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 <laughs> Commit to a <laughs> You're tying me down, Andy. You're tying me down. I will try and get it sorted as soon as possible on that one. Yeah, as, soon, as soon as we have that, it'll be easy because then you'll just be able to go yeah. to the site and play the old episodes directly from the site. Now, until that happens, uh, I am going to have to give you, basically... I'll tell you what I can do, Andy, that yes. might be a good way of doing this, is I know that there's the workaround that we've got here, haven't we, for this one. Maybe what I ought to do is on the the moment um, internetmarketingpodcast.org redirects to a, a you know, a channel of our um, our main blog, as it were. Yes, it does. Maybe yes. I could do a, a, a post this month where I have a link to every every podcast we've ever done that links to the. You kind could of do. Alternatively, technique. I could just tell the listeners <laughs> that at the tell moment the, the the feed. <laughs> if you go to the feed burner feed, which is feeds two. Remember, it's feeds two now since Google acquired feed burner. Feeds two. Dot feedburner. Dot com slash academy im. Because Feedburner gives you a sort of pseudo web page where you can download them from. You'll notice that it goes back to episode, I think it's um, 35, if I'm not mistaken. If you want episodes before 35, you can download them straight from the server where they're served, which is media1.wireworldmedia.co.uk. There's no www in front of it, it's just media1.wireworldmedia.co.uk. And then the naming convention for each of the shows, shows is lowercase im for internet marketing, and then 001.mp3, 002.mp3, etc. All the way up to, I think it goes up to zero, 044.mp3. So basically, it is possible to download the early episodes if you don't mind going straight to the server to, to grab them. So it's media1.wireworldmedia.co.uk slash im and then whatever episode you want prefaced with a zero. So 001-002-003.mp3. We should, uh, we should disclaim these. those early ones as well. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah, the, episode one is highly embarrassing, highly amusing. They gradually get better as you sort of get, go up the episodes. But until we get the, uh, the actual WordPress site up, I, w- I would suggest that as the way you, uh, you, you go for that to get the Brilliant. early episodes. Sorry about the confusion. Okay, and, and then I think on to what is our final question from um, the, the listeners this month, um, which is from a guy called James Keith. Um, and his question is, uh, firstly, you know, all the usual nice stuff about the podcast, so cheers to that, James. And he said, um, he's recently started up his own business via the web. Is there a podcast or um, some websites that we could recommend from someone starting from scratch? He's looking for the very basics and what he should do from day one. He's slowly getting his head around things like SEO and paperclip, but I have no idea about the little tricks of the trade, which I'm sure there must be out there. Um, he said, I know you've covered a lot of these in your podcast already, but is there any other? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Podcasts or blogs that you'd particularly recommend for a beginner looking to learn about internet marketing? 
I've, I've got a suggestion, but I'm not sure if it's a if it's a really good match. Um, there's a superb cod, pod, cod, cod podcast that I listen. I always do that mistake. There's a superb podcast that I listen to, that, but I think it's aimed more at the sort of the entrepreneurial single person being the internet marketer rather than a sort of corporate type of internet yeah. marketing. And it's called Internet Business Mastery uh, by a chap called Jason Van Orden and yep. his co-host Sterling. I can't remember his surname. Sterling and Jay. I actually met Jay, uh, Jason uh, Van Orden. He's a super guy, lovely guy. He used to do some podcasts in the early days, and then he moved more into sort of the general... I wouldn't so much call it internet marketing. I'd call it internet entrepreneurship arena. Yeah. Uh, and they do actually have a, a sort of course that you can subscribe to, but they do also have a free podcast that they produce. I think it's once a month like we do. But check it out. Just, just Google Internet Business Mastery, and uh, you'll find their podcast. Very different flavor to this one. Um, yep. they, they, they have a sort of movie man voice at the beginning which is quite, which is quite cool going it's a good podcast yeah, it's a, it's it's good. you listen to it as well don't you Calvin by yeah, the sound yeah, of it but yeah take a listen to that but as, as I say that is more from the angle of the sort of single person sort of uh, internet entrepreneur type approach rather than the sort of the more corporate internet marketing type approach which is I think the way that we, we, we come at it but certainly worth a listen any other okay. suggestions from anyone yeah. I'm going to use this as a gratuitous plug moment, if you if you don't oh, mind. Oh, please do. go ahead. <laughs> well, because um because I've been training for the Child Institute of Marketing for for years and just kind of running courses, there is a demand out there for um internet marketing training generally. And there's 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 lots of sources, but it's hard to find anything that's fairly reliable. So what I'm trying to do at the moment um, is I'm launching up a new website that's got a blog, it's got podcasts, it's got video training and all that kind of thing associated with it. I'm actually going to be doing some of the audio recording with Andy in the very near future. So if you want to have a look at targetinternet.com, um, it's not actually launched live yet. It'll be going live in the next kind of six to eight weeks, but there's some initial kind of flavor of what's going on there as well. And you will be able to get at the Internet Marketing Podcast from there as well. So have a look at targetinternet.com, get a feeling for what's going on. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, so Daniel Rolls, she's R-O-W-L-E-S. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll be the first people to know when it's actually going live and I will do a special offer. We're having a premium section on there as well and I'll give out some free memberships to some of the Internet Marketing Podcast listeners. Fantastic. Cool, yeah, and I'd recommend having, it's, a, it's kind of a bit removed from the podcast um, world a little bit. There's a website called webmasterradio.fm, and they, they operate a bit more like a kind of internet radio station, but you can listen to all the old shows there. They're probably not so great for the beginner, but for anyone who's kind of looking for something that's a bit more involved, there's some you know really good people on there. There's like Dave Naylor, who's a really well-respected um, SEO who's got a show on there weekly. There's a guy called um, Yoast who does all the WordPress. He's like the, the expert on WordPress who's really good as well. There's domaining shows on there as well. So they're quite good if you really want to dive down into a particular area of internet marketing. I'll definitely have a look at their site there as well, um, James. The other thing I'd mention as well is that if you're interested in software, particular software you need to learn when you're doing these. So say you need to learn how to use Dreamweaver for building websites or Photoshop for changing images, that kind of thing. It's a fantastic website called lynda.com, which is L-Y-N-D-A.com. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, yeah, and you pay a monthly subscription and you get access to a ton of courses on software training and they're really good. Literally, you'll get an hour or two on each kind of topic, um, hundreds of courses, how to use Dreamweaver from, from beginning end to end. Uh, so, so take a look at that real worth using I use I subscribe to that and use it for learning new software all the time Dan you sound like some great deity are you in a really echoey room <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't be I'm afraid I'm in my new office I've actually just moved into a new office so uh, you need to put some carpet on the floor I think I, I will do I apologise <laughs> this is Daniel Rowles <laughs> And, and also in terms of starting up, I know that there's an interview I've got planned. I don't know if it'll be ready for next month's um, show, but um, that'll be particularly about how you, you know, it's going to be asking some um, a guy called um, Darren Fell from Crunch. Oh, I know Darren. Hey, I've interviewed yeah, Darren. Yeah. Yes, good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm hoping to interview him particularly about starting up and setting up a internet business and funding and some of those issues as well about how to go about um, getting money to help you start a business so um i've just had an email through while we've been on air confirming that with that hopefully should be going ahead fairly shortly so i'll, I'll chase that up with him and um hopefully that'll be a good one for james as well there okay any more ideas on uh, podcasts uh, to listen to for a beginner uh, in the internet marketing realm uh, the only one quick one is take a look at shoemoney.com because shoe money uh, is very much on the entrepreneurship side of thing again but he does have an introduction to internet marketing kind of 12 episode course 
that you can subscribe to that's free as well. So have a look at shoemoney.com. Uh, again, a very different kind of angle to what we're doing, but there's some interesting stuff there. And that 12-week course you can sign up for um, is very good, actually. some good content. Okay, if that is the end of the questions, shall we then move on swiftly to uh, Daniel's gossip about... I hope we're not getting into trouble for this. I hope no one sues us. Um, you've got some gossip about uh, Google and Twitter, have, have we? What, what's yeah, going it's on? The, I mean, it, it's all going around in a lot of the blogs at the moment anyway, and there's lots of discussion. There was discussion of an agreement between Google and Twitter that they're going to now start featuring uh, tweets in Google search and all this sort of thing. But there's been an absolute ton of rumours going around that Google is in the fairly advanced stages of buying Twitter. Um, and just I spoke to someone quite um, quite senior in the industry that uh, believes this to be true, but we're not saying it is true. So um, to kind of disclaim it a little bit that way. But if you think about the logic, Twitter at the moment hasn't found any way of monetizing Twitter. So they need some way of doing that. They don't want to go down the advertising route. So it makes sense for them to partner with somebody that wants more volume, more customers, okay, at the end of the day. So there's a reason why Google would want Twitter and there's obviously a financial advantage to Twitter. Now, if you look at it from the other perspective as well is that Google wants to stay at the forefront of search and if they are searching tweets, they're able to search what people are doing live in real time and that kind of thing. So there is a real advantage to both people being more of a partnership. Um, There was talk that uh, Twitter was in talks with Facebook and um, and various other websites that had high high values but weren't actually generating cash. So they were very nervous of doing that because they'd end up just swapping for shares in a company that wasn't necessarily um, had any value to it, whereas any shares in Google is like getting cash at the end of the day because it does have a direct value to it. So that's what I've heard about the deal at the moment. Uh, I, I thought Google indexed, uh, sorry, spidered tweets anyway. They haven't been using it as part. I mean, they, they, no doubt they've been doing it for some time, but they certainly haven't been doing it as part of the search results. Okay. Um, yeah, I so, think it's to try and tie in it a bit more clever because yeah, at the moment they'll index a tweet as if it's a web page, which kind yeah. of you know you know I've definitely seen it on my Google alerts. I see where my tweets get indexed there for yeah. my name, so I know that. But I think what and Bing have already done this as well. If you look on Bing and um, if you search for Bing and Twitter, they've done some quite interesting things where if you search for um, a topic and sort of check the box that says Twitter, it will show you all the tweets about that as well. But it kind of um, works in a slightly different way to Twitter search because Twitter search is kind of quite limited on time. So if it become, you know, if it's more than seven days old, you're unlikely that you're going to be able to find it in the Twitter search. So um, it's interesting because, you know, the, Twitter could have a huge, I think a lot of people are looking at, oh, how are Twitter going to monetize? But, you know, how are they going to put adverts mm. on there? Assuming that's the only way you can do it. But I think there's tons of ways that they can make money, even if it was just yeah. a, okay, if you want to confirm your identity here, you have to pay $50 to confirm that it's definitely you. That's for business accounts. You know, it doesn't have to be huge numbers there that they can be doing on that. And there's all kinds of answers. Just think about the data that they've got there in terms of relationships between people, in terms of predicting trends. If Hitwise can charge the amount of, you know, money that they do for their kind of data that they've got. If, um, you know, if Twitter could sell that kind of information as well, I, you know, they know how many people are visiting what pages on what websites and, you know, uh, in real time. It's kind of really potentially hugely valuable that people could, you know, I'm sure people would pay money to get that kind of information that they've got there within their system. It's the same with Spotify. It's like, I would love to know, you know, what artists are most popular on Spotify, what artists some people listen to after listening to another. I think a lot of these social media ones, it's their data that I think has got the real value rather than trying to bung some adverts on top of it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that Google's quite good at identifying those kind of opportunities. And a lot of Google's models up until have been ad based and I think they can see the risk where pay-per-click advertising is becoming um, still very effective but it's becoming harder and harder and people are more aware of it and the quality is perceived to have gone down in some places so they are obviously looking at new monetization models Um, and there are as Kelvin says there are a ton of potential models with Twitter Um, and I'm sure that Google are kind of wise to that at the end of the day. So I can see you know, a reason for them to have a, a kind of closer relationship. Whether or not that will come to fruition, I don't know. But it's interesting just to, to speculate on how it's occurring. Interesting stuff indeed. Okay, any more thoughts from anyone? Otherwise, we'll move on to the next segment. Um, no, the only that- thing I will say is something that we've not covered um, in today's show because it's still fairly shortly after launching. But um, Google have introduced some really interesting functionality into Google Analytics, um, like alerts that will tell you if your traffic's gone up and down. And like you can now have 20 goals in your account rather than just five. So there's some really interesting stuff they've done there. I've not really had a chance to dive in and do you know enough coverage for the show here. But definitely have a look at that if you're using Google Analytics. They've done some great new stuff. But um, we'll try and give you a bit more of a clearer update on that next month, I think. 
So you only get leading edge news here on internet marketing. Any other thoughts, Helen or Dan or? No, nothing more for me today. I don't yeah, think. I haven't okay. got anything. All right then. Well, look. Uh, just before we move on to the uh, interview, a very very quick. Uh, it's a sort of a pseudo plug, pseudo asking for help here. The um, book that I'm writing, Podcasting Unleashed: um, How to Turn Your Passion into a Audio Podcast, is going on quite well. I need some questions and some feedback. So I have started a Google group called uh, Podcasting Unleashed. And if you go to the book's website, which is podcastingunleashedthebook.com, there will be a link to the Google group there. So basically, anyone thinking of starting a podcast, you've got some questions or some tips or just want some feedback or want to sort of talk to other people that are doing similar things, uh, certainly take part in the group. The book is available for sale on an early bird discount. If you put I listen all together into the, the book, uh, buying bit you can get a, a discount an early bird discount and uh, that will give you a sort of you're not buying a complete book it will give you um, access all the way up to edition one so if you want to support the project you, you can do so but it's not obligatory the main thing I wanted to mention was just the Google group for, for the um, discussion um, so having said all that uh, let us move on to the next segment which is me interviewing Miles Galliford who's the the head guy behind Subhub so just before we go on to that let's say goodbye to our um Three co-presenters, uh, Dan Rouse. See you later, everybody. Helen Trendle. I'll see you soon. And Kelvin Newman. Bye-bye. See you, folks. See you next time, and uh, enjoy the interview. I'm very honoured to be joined by Miles Galliford, the co-founder of uh, Subhub, and uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, Miles. That's a pleasure. It's good to be, uh, good to be on your show. Now, um, the first thing is, tell us just very, very briefly about Subhub.com. Well, we, um, myself and my co-founder, Evan Rudowski, we set up the company to help anybody with specialist content to make money from it online. So it's a complete set of tools to help you build a website, publish and manage it, and then make money from it. And the money can be from advertising or inserting affiliate revenue, uh, affiliate marketing links, or from membership and subscription okay well we'll talk a bit more in detail about that towards the end okay. one question i've got for you though is i'm very interested there's a lot of people who listen to this show who they're either already doing some kind of internet business but i think there's a lot of people listening who are sort of on the cusp of doing it or they're thinking of, of doing it so they, they don't quite know the way forward what advice would you give to people thinking of starting some sort of perhaps you know subscription-based site or selling online some sort of digital product but haven't yet got round to it what sort of advice would you give them um, well, there's, there's two two bits of advice that I would, which stand out from looking at, you know, we've got hundreds of clients in the UK and the US, and, and over the last few years, I, you know, I've spotted trends that um, you know, clearly show which ones are really successful and which ones tend not to be successful or fail. And the, the number one is the people who succeed are people who um, pursue their passion. They they, they create a website about something they're really, really interested in. So they have credibility and authority amongst their audience, and they become number one or number two in their niche. Mm. Um, and and you know, it's, it's, a, it's so clear to me when we look at the people who are making a lot of money that they really believe in what they're doing. And often the people who fail uh, look around the web to see who's making money and then try and copy them. And you know, invariably... They, they, they run out of steam or there's someone else out there doing what they're trying to do better. Mm. Uh, and then the second point is um, spend time building your credibility and authority online by giving stuff away for free. Even if, your money, even if your way of making money is subscription and paid membership, you still have to build authority and credibility. And that means um, giving away free content and um, free e-books so that people can really see that you know what you're talking about mm, mm. Um, and then have a way of upselling people and getting them into your premium um, subscription model or other ways of making money. You're a man after my own heart, you know, Miles. <laughs> right. What would you say to people who, say, who, who are afraid of giving away too much information? You get some people that, that say, oh, I don't want to give away the crown jewels of the business. Well, you know, it, again, it's proven over and over again. You have to look at what... Um, what value you're giving to them. And you can put the bits of real value for your real loyal audiences behind a paid wall or 
you know, in, in a community with limited access. Um, and I'll give you an example. There's one client we have in the, in the U.S., and he gives away 1% of his information, but he charges, I think, I think now, probably $200 um, a month for access to that information. He's a, he's a share tipper. Wow. And so his buy and sell information is in his private area, but all his um, research is in the public domain. And that's 99% of what he does during his working day is do the research and analysis. But then when he actually gets into a stock and out of a stock, he puts in the paid area because that's what actually makes his clients money. So it's actually working out where the real value is and, and, and then choosing how to make money from that. It could be through paid subscription or it could be putting that into a, a book or into events and courses and then selling that, that real value. Mm. But the rest of it, you know, provide for free to to make people want to go the extra step yeah now that's a wonderful segue into this concept of the the freemium model or pattern i was really interested in exactly your interpretation of how that works i'm particularly interested actually in the uh the financial times freemium model where they they ask you to pay on your sort of third or fourth visit don't they versus making some content permanently free another paid of What's, what's your view? Because there's a bit of a raving battle, isn't there, about the freemium model online? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few points in that question. First, to, to cover the Financial Times. You know, I personally think they've created the perfect business model to minimize their revenues. <laughs> um, you, you can go one of two ways on the Internet. You either have to build an audience and page views and get people looking at your content and then you monetize the audience and the traffic or you hide your premium you know as much premium stuff as possible and get them to pay for it what they've done is they've minimized the amount of pages people can look at so they've minimized the traffic but you know for for the majority of readers they can see enough to be to be satisfied without paying a premium to go to the next model. So I would suspect they've, they've probably got the majority of the people who are prepared to pay, paying now. And uh, I noticed in the figures they released just recently that their subscription sign-up rate has dropped off. And, and I would predict, and I may be wrong, that that subscription level will start dropping and dropping. And and they will counteract that, no doubt, by reducing and reducing the amount of free content. And I, I think they've, they've probably got their you know, business model screwed up. Um, we'll wait and see. Yeah, time will tell. Yeah. The other, the other point you raised is what's happening in this industry is there's this battle going on between paid versus free. And it's been very polarized. That's what's been covered. You either in one camp or the other. The Rupert Murdoch's want everything to be paid and is trying to persuade the industry to go that route. Um, and then the likes of Chris Anderson, who wrote the book Freemium, wants everything to be free, but with kind of an upsell model. Um, but I think the, you know, the best way of looking at it is look at traditional magazine publishing. If you look at a good magazine, like I've got in front of me at the moment, Gardener's World, mm-hmm. On the front of it has the, you know, the price, and that's what they sell it as one-off copies on the newsstand. Uh, and then you open it up, and it has subscription, and it encourages people with discounts to pay for a subscription. Um, then it has display advertising. It has classified advertising. Um, it has a paid supplier directory. Um, and it has affiliate deals with shared revenue for um, holidays and insurance. Um, they promote offline events, and those offline events have sponsors. And if you go through it, just within one copy of Gardener's World, you could, I think you can identify 12 different revenue streams. Mm. But when people move online, they seem to forget all those lessons, particularly magazine publishers and newspaper publishers. They forget those lessons. They move online, and then they get into this argument about free versus paid. Whereas I believe the best content sites will have multiple revenue streams, some of them driven from free content, uh, and others um, will be, you know, access to paid content, as I sure. say, either through subscription or through 
through selling that in, in e-books or documents or courses. Mm. Um, and also, you know, promoting offline events, using the web to promote offline events. Do you think people demark between the, the physical world and the online world a bit too much? Yeah, they do. They do, and particularly publishers. Um, the, the magazine publishers and newsletter publishers, they tend to talk in terms of revenue cannibalization. You know, they, they don't want to do too much on the internet because it will cannibalize the revenues of their offline products. Mm. And I think they have to get far more um, clever at cross-selling, cross-promotion, um, using the web to reach a bigger audience than they could otherwise reach, and then using that audience to promote offline events. And I think there's lots of... They can be far cleverer about what they do in that cross-promotion. Sure, yeah. Um, so what do you think are the, are the common pitfalls to avoid um, when setting up and sort of running a subscription site or, or some sort of digital product business? You know, the obvious one is chasing the, the profitable niches. You know, there's, there's a handful of niches which are clearly well covered. Such um, as internet marketing. <laughs> internet marketing, yes. That's, that's very well, well covered, and as, as you'd expect, because yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's the right, right medium for that audience. Mm. Um, but, but health and fitness is, is very well covered. Finance, share tipping services is becoming more and more well covered. It, it's, it's, it's not about chasing chasing the niche and making money, as I said in the, after the first question, is, is, is owning, owning a niche, owning a, a niche that you're passionate about. Mm, yeah. The, the other thing is, is on, a, on the technology front is if you're not technical, don't get caught up in trying to run a technology, technology yourself. Get someone else either to do it for you or as a, you know, I would say myself, because I run a managed service, is, is get a managed service so that you can spend your time creating content and building a business, not running the technology. It can be a very time-consuming and unproductive task. Especially when it goes um, wrong. Especially when it goes wrong, and then there's a lot of uh, blame-throwing between a hardware, you know, the hardware people and the software people. Mm. You know, just don't get into that situation. Spend time just thinking about payment processing and, and those practical steps, you probably, even if you don't set out to have an international audience, you probably will end up having an international audience. So think about being able to take um, multiple currencies, UK, US in particular, and the euro, um, and, and to be sure you use a payment provider that's um, reliable. We have you know, a lot of horror stories about payment providers and accounts being frozen. Mm. I used to hate PayPal, but I think they've got a lot better, and it's mm. a great starting point yeah. um, using PayPal. One very important thing that every content creator, publisher, or owner should be doing is building an email list so that um, they can be in control of the relationship with their, um, their, you know, their followers, prospects, clients. Mm. Um, I think the, the figure is 98% of people who come to a website once, look at one page and leave, never return. So you've got to do whatever you can to engage them when they arrive, get them to look at multiple pages, and then get their email address on that first visit. Otherwise, the big majority of those people you'll lose. Sure. Um, so, so, so building a relationship is very important. And, and leave the monetization in the background. Focus on relationship first, engagement relationship, and then the way you're going to monetize that relationship. Because it's um, damn hard to make money from someone on their first trip to their website. Mm. And a lot of them do. Most of the monetization opportunities come after you've built a relationship with, uh, with your customer or with your prospect. Sure. Now, you mentioned earlier about doing something online based around your passion. And you also yeah. mentioned about the importance of, of a niche. What's the best way, in your opinion, of of finding the right niche that's based on your passion if you want to do some sort of online business? What I usually recommend to um, people who come to us and ask that question is just make a list of the top 10 keywords that describe your passion. So if it's um, fly fishing in Scotland, then the obvious ones are going to be fly fishing, 
fly fishing Scotland, fishing holidays Scotland, mm. etc. Then just go into a search engine, put them into a search engine, and see what comes up because they are your competitors. If you look at most of the sites on the page one of what comes up in Google, you just got to ask yourself: Is can I do a better job than they're doing? Mm. Um, also, have a look at um, how many pages, uh, how many sites have been indexed by just looking at the top of the Google um, search results. Uh, and if there's a decent number, it means there's a decent number of people searching for that term. But that's essentially what I tell them to do. And then there's, you, know, you can go and use Google Trends and stuff like that yeah. just to see which way the trends are going. Mm. But you know, it comes down to who else is doing it and can I do a better job? Sure. Now, what about promotion? How, how would you advise people to uh, sort of promote their membership site? I mean, are there any particularly good methods or tools suited to promoting your membership site? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a really strong believer and practicer of the fact that there are just two things you need to do to successfully market a content site, um, and that is continually create and publish good quality content, paying some attention to the keywords you use in that content, not becoming obsessive about it, but paying some attention to it, um, and then in actively encouraging linking into those pages of content. And by actively, that's both doing yourself by going to forums and um, ensuring you have a link within the forum post that takes people back and um, putting putting them into relevant and good quality directories that proactively getting links back into that article and into your website. But also you know, participating in the community that you're, you want to be a part of by talking with other bloggers and asking them to link to your sites or giving them free content in exchange for a link back to your site. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, for, for Subhub, that's all we do ourselves. And, and we have tens of thousands of visitors coming to our site driven just by um, people finding our content. We publish two or three free articles every month. Uh, we are conscious of the keywords we use, mm. uh, and we do actively get links in, but it's driving tens of thousands of people every month to our website. Um, and that's the only marketing we do apart from a bit of Google AdWords stuff um, just to get into particular, uh, to the top for particular terms, but it's very little, and we do no other marketing. So it works, mm. uh, and it works for our clients, and um, it will work for everyone who does it. Now, I'm interested in, in, in Subhub. So it's www.subhub.com. Yeah, tell, just right. tell us a little bit more detail how the site works. And I'm particularly interested in um, if you can give some examples of how businesses are using it, obviously without giving business names away. Yeah. Well, the, you, can, you can go to subhub.com and you can just sign up for a free trial. So you know, if, if anyone's interested in this sort of stuff, it's just, go and, just go and give it a go. Um, but it basically... You go sign up for a trial, it gives you a choice of templates, or if you have design skills, you can then add your own design or get a designer to, to add a design for you. You can build your site, you add your content, you add your navigation, and then you're ready to launch. And then it has the additional functionality um, that you can just turn on. Um, for example, the membership, you know, paid membership, you can just turn on, or there's a, 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 an e-commerce store for selling books and CDs and either digital downloads or, or physical products, and you just turn them on. Um, it's got built-in forums. So everything for building a website community and then monetizing content is all in there. And it's a, you know, it's a managed service. Um, so we take care of all the hosting and the um, maintenance upgrades. All the upgrades we do, we just implement, and um, they're there available for, for our clients. Okay, so it's basically like a sort of a framework that allows you to very, very quickly set up your online subscription-based website by the sound yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds really good. It's, okay. like, you know, it's like a content management system like WordPress, yeah. except our sole focus is, is helping people to monetize their content. Okay. And what sort of businesses are using it in, and in what way? Probably about 30% of our clients are publishing companies. They tend to be the smaller ones who have trade publications or newsletters who are moving online. Um, either totally moving online or setting up a web presence as well as having a, a physical presence. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest are a big mix of um, authors, journalists, infopreneurs, some academics, quite a few associations and societies who need to 
share information with their members and collect annual subs from their members. That, that's really the mix. It's individuals, clubs and associations, and then small publishers tend to be our, our, our marketplace. Well, Mars Galliford of Subhub.com, thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for asking me. And um, I look forward to keeping in touch. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories. Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 